Welcome back. For the next 10 minutes or so, it's Tuesday, 16th of April, 1946. Betty Souter is still in Shanghai, and she's just received instructions on where she is going to be appointed, in the remote Changxi province, the city of Nanchang. She's been in Shanghai about 10 days and reflects on what she has learned about that city so far. But before we rejoin Betty's story, I'd like to share what was happening the other side of the world in the Sydney Morning Herald. Front page announced a £25 million railworks project, an extension to the Metropolitan Electric Railway System, which will include a mostly underground rail track to the eastern suburbs of Sydney. Work will begin immediately, the story announces, and the vast task will occupy seven years. They got that a little bit wrong because the Eastern Suburbs Railway was finally built, but it was opened by then Premier Neville Rann on the 23rd of June 1979. So the seven years extended out to 33. In other front page news, Rudolf Huss, the camp commandant of the Auschwitz concentration camp, appeared in the Nuremberg courts today. He had previously admitted to ordering the killing of two and a half million people, and today he was giving evidence on behalf of the deputy chief of the Gestapo, Ernst Kaltenbrunner. Also in local news, a big storm had halted shipping into and out of Sydney. Indeed, yesterday the Manly Ferry struck rough seas on the passage across the Sydney Heads with many passengers experiencing seasickness. And the weather in Sydney? The city forecast, cloudy with showers at first, fine during the day, moderate to fresh southeasterly winds, moderate seas on a heavy swell. But of course, Betty was a long way from Sydney. Shanghai, 16th of April 1946. My dear mother and dad, I was tickled to bits when Tom Fippen called to see me. Already I know the happy feeling of seeing a fellow Australian in the midst of foreign faces, especially when it's an Australian that you know, and Tom is taking this letter back for me with a small parcel. The cloth is real silk, and I thought, Mum, that you would like to have a blouse made out of it. The white silk was given to me by a lad in Manila. It is Japanese silk. Find a use for it. One of the girls has asked Tom to take back a small parcel for her sister. If you wouldn't mind, Dad, will you follow the instructions she has given about having it collected? Shanghai is a disillusionment. Dirty, smelly, crowded a place where any foreigner is disliked and just barely tolerated. Even the job is a disillusionment. Rackets flourish, money is wasted. Perhaps I judge too soon, but amongst the Australians here, my thoughts are truly representative. It's a great pity. I'm sure the fault is with the character itself of China. Since UNRWA personnel are only too willing to serve and enthusiastic at the commencement. Actually, I'm having a social and very gay time here. There are plenty of invitations for every night, 
and I usually find myself with four to six escorts. Fortunately, there is a curfew, 12 midnight, in the city, which means we cannot be out very late. Transportation is a big problem, as the rickshaws and pedicabs demand high pay, similarly taxis. We travel to and from the office mostly in jeeps and closed-in trucks or three-ton lorries. My luggage has not arrived, and I'm impatient for it. It had been bitterly cold most days, apparently unusual for this time of year, and I could do with some more woolies. It's impossible to buy here, prices being ridiculous. An ordinary handbag, very ordinary, costs the equivalent of £20. A small jar of Vicks cost me the equivalent of 10 shillings. I picked up a cold here after the heat of Manila, and a pair of shoes would cost £10. A frock would be £50. Similarly, a cardigan or woolly jacket. Our allowance is 10,500 Chinese dollars, about 34 shillings, and we spend it all. On Friday, I leave Shanghai for the provinces. My post will be Nanchang in the Changxi region. Marjorie Block, an Australian girl, travels with me as secretary, and we shall be accompanied by at least one man. Transport is a Chinese river steamer, which leaves dock at Shanghai and goes up the Yangtze River as far as Qiuqiang, where we disembark into Unra jeeps to travel the further 150 miles south to Nanchang. I believe that Nanchang is a big city, but it is entirely lacking in Europeans, with the exception of a Methodist and a Roman Catholic mission. I hope it will not be too rough and ready. This is a good opportunity to see real China, but I have no illusions about the living and travelling conditions. It's going to be dirty and uncomfortable. Marge is such a nice girl. I will be very glad of her company. In the UNRWA group, which is already established there, we have several Australians. The director, his assistant named Kestevan, a doctor, and an observer. Unra nicknames the Nanqing office Little Australia, since we have control of affairs there. The trip up the river takes five days. We do not move at night, but anchor midstream, as there is some possibility of attacks by bandits who are always on the lookout, in highwayman style, for an interesting cargo to steal. I still have no fear in this weird country, but certainly would not like to spend my whole life here. You would all be horrified at times, I'm sure, to see me in some of my predicaments. Yes, it is very rough. I've not had a ride in a rickshaw yet. Somehow I do not trust the drivers. And apart from that, the rickshaw only takes one person. Pedicabs, on the other hand, I'm quite used to. A pedicab is a bicycle contraption having the bicycle part and driver in front and the open carriage, two back wheels of course, at the rear. I've taken some snaps and will send them as soon as I can get them developed. Last weekend was very pleasant. Arthur Armitage, the lad I met in Mrs. Gunton's office, took me out to his friend's flat, 
where I stayed overnight. The friends are a young married couple, a German lad married to a white Russian girl, and most charming and hospitable. It was delightful to be in a clean house, to sleep between white sheets, to smell the sunshine and furniture polish, to have flowers around the house and to hear good music. Tonya is a sweet girl and went to a great deal of trouble. They have a Chinese boy who is an excellent cook and who does all the work around the flat. After tiffin, that is lunch, we had music and went out to the pictures at 5pm. Pictures here comprise the main feature only. We don't have to worry about missing the newsreels because there aren't any, but I do miss them. At 7.30, then we arrived at the Follies, a westernised restaurant and dance hall. We dined and danced. At 11.30, we had to call the pedicaps to get home before curfew. Incidentally, we are warned against contacts with Chinese police. If caught out after curfew, a policeman holds you up and demands $5,000. You pay him or go to jail. Each policeman who can catch you on the homeward run likewise demands his 5000 or you go to jail. If you get to jail, you are handed from one to another until you haven't got a dollar left. And then you still stay languishing until the Australian representative intervenes. There are even cases where he can do no good. The Chinese are obviously determined to have this country back, or for themselves, and they can be unpleasant. UNRWA personnel are pretty safe, as long as UNRWA supplies are coming in to feed the black market. However, we're still triers, and I hope we can have some success. Well, I must close now, as Tom will be calling in pretty soon. Lots of love to you all. Many times I wish I could whip straight back home, but expect I will be contented enough when I can settle down to real work. Cheerio for now. Bet. Production credits for this episode. Produced and narrated by Warren Henry. Voice of Betty Souter by Helen Polkinghorne. And the featured tune this episode is Beyond the Sea, or La Mer, by Charles Trenet, which came in at number 22 on the popular music chart for 1946. La mer, des reflets changeants sous la pluie La mer au ciel d'été confond ses blancs moutons Avec les anges si purs La mer bergère d'azur infinie Près des étangs, ces grands roseaux mouillés. Voyez ces oiseaux blancs et ces maisons rouillées. La mer les a bercés le long. Des golfes clairs et d'une chanson d'amour 
vivre la mer A bercer mon cœur pour la vie La mer Qu'on va danser Le long des golfes clairs A des reflets d'argent la mer des reflets changeants sous la pluie la mer au ciel d'été confond ses blancs moutons avec les anges si purs la mer bergère d'azur Des étangs, ces grands roseaux mouillés. Voyez ces oiseaux blancs et ces maisons rouillées. C'est mon cœur pour la vie.